Good morning, and welcome to ULEAD, the news and current affairs from Dalhousie and the University of King's College nestled on unceded, unsurrendered Mi'kmaq territory. I'm your host, Carly Schogner. Last Tuesday, students from the KSU and the DSU had been reinvited to a regular roundtable with the student government and the Nova Scotia Department of Labor and Advanced Education only to be cancelled after an op-ed was published in the Coast paper by Aidan McNally, chairperson of the Canadian Federation of Students Nova Scotia, calling out inaction for a standalone sexual violence policy on campuses. As part of a walkout, King Student Union Financial Vice President Marie Dolcette Coros presented the open letter at the meeting. I spoke with her this week. The backlash from uh, this op-ed was um, incredibly surprising. A bunch of meetings were cancelled because of this op-ed, uh, meetings that uh, the the CFSNS office had uh, had for weeks uh, with the department. And then uh, the office had been notified that uh, they were actually banned from uh, attending the roundtable. So um, an open letter to Labika Sulis was, who's the Minister of Labor and Advanced Education, it was written by the provincial executive, calling out this egregious, punitive behavior on behalf of, on the, or on the part of the department, and reiterating that students stand behind their chairperson, and we stand behind our staff people, and that banning our representative voices from those spaces is an act of silencing survivors on campus and it's completely unacceptable. So with this uh, kind of background and uh, mentality, I went into the round table and read out the open letter to the people that were gathered there. So this letter was read out with the understanding that until we were all allowed back at the table, conversations just couldn't continue. What is next? So uh, moving forward, um, we're uh, interested to see how the department will handle this. It's important to know and, and recognize that students know that this behavior is completely unacceptable. We are united in this call, um, and we have been for years, and we will continue to fight for legislation to support survivors on campus. In terms of the walkout itself, um, the DSU stood with us in solidarity and, and um, added a statement uh, truly echoing this call and recognizing that Students are united in this call for legislation. And again, we really have been for years. On Wednesday, the last of King's Automaton's lecture series hosted King's alumna Stephanie Dick, currently at the University of Pennsylvania. The evening lecture was addressing artificial intelligence in making up minds, thinking with, about, and for humans. In the morning, King's held an intimate discussion for students with Dick talking about her time at King's and at Harvard, as well as the importance of ethics classes in science, engineering, and business. Students Antoine Marseille and Adam Yeming gave their reflections. What was it that stuck out to you the most in her talk? Well, the reason I came was to um, ask, I'm, I'm double majoring between host and philosophy, and I've been thinking about doing mathematics um, for my dual major, and I, uh, I don't have the high school requirements for mathematics. It would be a lot of effort if I were to do that, but it is my interest. So I came to, to really talk to her, to, to ask her the question, which Andrew actually ended up asking, thankfully. 
and um, and I I really liked the way she kind of incorporated her mathematics into the history of science and technology. Um, her course, uh, she she ma made like a brief comment about the, uh, an outline of one of her courses, and she was teaching like Gudel and Turing to her students. And I was just, I, I think it pushed me in the direction that I was hoping to be pushed. Um, I I found her experiences through going through uh, all these different posts post-post-secondary graduate degrees uh, to be really insightful and interesting and what she's drawn from these experiences and incorporated into what she teaches and writes about and so on I found to be really interesting. You're listening to ULEAD on CKDU 88.1 FM. If you're curious about the radio or want to share stories, come by and volunteer with our studio located on the fourth floor of the Dalhousie Student Union Building. Wednesday was Refugee Rights Day, and King's Branch of WUSC, or World University Services of Canada, hosted its annual fundraiser at the King's Wardroom with Samosas and DJ Fadwas of Halifax. King's has been a host for 10 years, and Ava Whitney Coulter is the current organizer of the branch. I spoke with her before the event. Can you tell me a little about the student refugee program and how that works? Basically, there are also like over 80 different local committees across the country. And so ours at King's, like that's, like I said, what we focus on. Basically, the process is that we um, say like, hey, we are a local committee. We want to sponsor a refugee from somewhere around the world. And then what says, okay, prove that you can do that. Prove that you have enough money and stuff like that. And then we go through this whole process of um, paperwork and stuff like that. And then eventually it works out and we, a student arrives that we sponsor. And we here at King's, we sponsor them for their entire first year. So we cover their tuition, their residence, their food and their books, everything that they need. And we sort of help set them up, not only financially, but also like we provide um, just sort of, sort of assistance on every front. Um, because there are a lot of different challenges that come from both the refugee experience and coming to Canada and also like getting all your government paperwork sorted out and just like making friends, coming to a new culture. It can be a lot. So has uh, the WISC aspect here at King's, have they sponsored a refugee currently or in the past? Yeah, we've sponsored, we sponsor, sponsor refugees every um, other year just because we get our financing from a levy. Um, through the KSU, and that's sort of just how much it costs. That's how often we can do it. Right now, we're sponsoring somebody from Nairobi. And yeah, last year, um, or not last year, two years ago, we sponsored somebody from Syria. It's so exciting. Like, actually, like, going through, you go through this whole bureaucratic process and then end up with, like, an actual person who's been through this and has actual stories and that you're, like, responsible for helping support. It's, like, it's amazing. It's magical to meet to meet those people and connect with them like it's one of it's the reason that that I got involved it's like it's amazing Jennifer Mukasa is the current WISC sponsor for Kings from Rwanda and as a refugee in Kenya she's just finishing her first year of journalism we spoke in studio on her experiences coming here so Jennifer tell me a little about yourself um there's a scholarship that you apply to when you finish high school when you're in Kenya 
mm-hmm. yeah so it's called the worst program and yeah that's how we got here like um there's so many processes that happen in kenya so like the worst care actually just know a few they really don't know how thorough it is and it's something that every single student actually dreams about dreams to do like as in people actually go to school so that they can get work like this is a lifetime opportunity for them to change their lives especially with the lives um of refugees in Kenya you know it's wow. a very big opportunity wow yeah i i just he was hearing a bit about the process earlier and that you know you have to have a, a high level of of english too that's, that's yeah. a lot of yeah, responsibility we do, we do TOEFL exams and um in the TOEFL exams you have to get a certain um amount there's a certain mark you're supposed to get to so that you get a good school so like to get to kings you have to have 80 and above so yeah the higher you get the good school you get to so the people who get it's actually of always out of 120 so the ones who get above 100 go to University of Toronto so and 90s goes to go to UBC stuff like that so I got an 89 <laughs> I wish I got a 90 yeah I, I tried to do the law school admissions test and I didn't do so well so it's okay <laughs> you know we can only do our best so. yeah okay well so tell me um you know if you weren't here like what what would life be like uh, for yourself in Nairobi that's a question I usually I don't know how to answer it because um not being a Kenyan in Kenya and the universe so for me i will be considered as an international student in universities so i wouldn't i wouldn't pay enough i wouldn't get student loans so i'll have to like stay home i'll be working at a cafe shop that i was working at before i got the scholarship so yeah i'll just be working and staying home and paying bills mm-hmm. it's really hard um to get education especially when you're not from the country like if you're not originally kenyan um but i thank god for you and it's here the united nations high commission for refugees um they have small organizations like the jrs window trust kenya there's so many organizations that offer to pay school fees for girls or boys who cannot afford their school fees so as long as you perform good you will get sponsors like as long as you get good grades you will get sponsors but before that it was a struggle like you just have to stay home because the schools you ha- there's nothing like public school or if you go to a public school it's a very low standard school so like by the time you finish you won't you won't even have good grades to get to high school and you need to get a b for you to to get sponsors to high school and stuff like that so like it's all about hard work and knowing that you're not in your country and you just need to outshine others and get some favors that they cannot get because for us we had a chance that they did not have the chances of scholarship so you have to perform like you really need to perform yeah i was uh, when i was in uh, working uh, at Barakahavo in Rwanda i was uh, speaking with some uh, orphans uh, and um you know just you know there this particular organization helps provide some assistance and but you know they'd have to show their marks you know all the time to make sure and i it can just i just felt the pressure the extraordinary extraordinary amount of pressure to to do well um in order to to get it elsewhere so uh yeah so like the, the this particular school that you were going to high school 
in, in, in Nairobi. Was WUSC known to that high school or no. was, how, yeah, how did the process work? In the, like, uh, WUSC was not known to the school because okay. I, I believe I was the only refugee in the school. But there was another one from South Sudan. She was in her fourth year. So, like, um, whenever I went, when I was in school, I will not talk about myself. Like, I will not say where I'm really from because, you know, it will bring so many questions and so many people will judge you. As in, you not, you not have friends, you know. And many people will want to know more about it and stuff like that. So, we used to be advised whenever you go to school, like, just, just keep quiet about it. Like, just don't say anything about yourself until it's, until you have to say or somebody has asked you. So like, um, my name is to betray me because my name's are not Kenyan. So I say, how, oh, where are you from? Like, oh, I'm from Rwanda. Oh, okay. Just like that because when you say the country, they know, oh, that country is never peaceful. So we understand, like everybody will just know why you're there. So <coughs> WUSC was not known in my school. I actually never knew anything about WUSC my whole life. I knew uh, about WUSC after I finished high school. And that was after I went to a certain office. And I was talking to the director of the office because I needed, I, w I just finished high school. I did not know what I'm supposed to do with my life. So I was just looking for a job. And she asked me, so what are you doing with your life? And I'm like, um, just have a job down there. I'm just working on myself. She's like, oh, do you know about Vosk? It's like, Vosk, what is Vosk? Like, this is a chance to go study in Canada. I'm like, do those things really happen? Like, I just hear people go to study in Canada. Like, I hear, oh, she went to study in the US. Oh, she went to study somewhere. So I'm like, how does that even happen? Like. I don't think these are chances for me, you know? I didn't believe I can get one. She was like, just give it a shot. I was like, okay, I will try. So I went for the application papers and she kept pushing me. She's called Beatrice, we still talk until now. She called me, she asked me, did you take the application papers? I was like, yes, I actually lied. I did not take them. I was like, because uh, the application needs so much information. You need to go back to school, get some papers, go to the units here. There's some papers you need, some signatures. I'm like, ah, this is too much for me. I'm not going. I'm not going to do all this. But I don't know what just came into my mind. I was like, just take it. Like, just take it. Just drop it. Because actually, the office was a walking distance from where I lived, and I never knew about it. So I was like, so this is the office. And I passed here every single day going to work and going back home. So I was like, oh meaning there's something here so i just dropped it and after like a week i was called for an exam we do actually two exams before we come here so i was called for an exam i went and did the exam and when i was doing my exam you're supposed to get a certain mark and then you'll be called again so i was called in again for an interview like how am i even passing this whole stuff like especially the exam is like i'm going to fail <laughs> stuff like that i was called for an interview i was actually the last person to do the interview because they were checking where you live so that uh, because it was already late so they wanted us to get home safe so it's the last person and it was the worst and the best interview of my life because the one of them was kept uh, the, the guy kept looking at his watch he's like and looking outside like it was dark it was around eight so he's just kept looking at his phone and looking outside like he needs to leave <laughs> i missed one document i did not bring one of the documents but the women were so sweet when I told them my story. She was actually crying and she was like, I'm so sorry for everything that you went through. I was like, oh, it's okay, like it's fine. And that was it. 
So after like one month, I was called again and I was told I need to go to Kakuma refugee camp to live there because we have that's how the process is done. So they only take five from Nairobi and 20 from Kakuma camp and 20 others from Dadab camp because that's where so many refugees live and they don't have as many opportunities as us in Nairobi head. So we have to go there, do some projects for the camp, learn how the life is so that when you leave for Canada, you remember there's a life, there's some lives I need to touch on when I come back and just motivate yourself. Mm. Yeah. Um, you mentioned about, you know, the this, this stigma uh, experiencing being, uh, f- like, not from Kenya. Kenya. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, so when you reach 18, you're supposed to have an ID. And actually, the ID we used to have is a refugee, I- an alien ID, actually. There's nothing like a refugee, so it's an alien card. So there was a time... There's, there's been many times in Kenya um, when the government wants all refugees to go back to their countries, and especially the urban refugees, like the ones who live in Nairobi, were being asked to go to the camps because of uh, there were so many bombing of the Somali people, bombing Isli. Isli is a major area where most Somalis live, so they were bombing, there were Al-Shababs everywhere, so they were like, oh, Nairobi is not safe, it's, it's the capital, so all refugees must go to the camp. So whenever you will, whenever you're in town, like the police can just stop you and ask you for your ID. So if he sees you have an alien card, you will go to jail on that day, because he's like, this is not a Kenyan ID. You're not supposed to be in Nairobi. Supposed to be in the camp. Then you have to go to the is it jail or cell? I think it's cell, and then look for someone to bail you out. So at that time you have to call the UNHCR, and then they will talk to them. They'll be like, oh, this is our girl. Let her go, or they will come themselves and let you out. So it was really, really hard. And especially when you're looking for a job, they will always ask you for your Kenyan ID. When you show them the alien card, they're like, oh, I'm sorry, I don't know this card. I don't know anything about this card. Like, I cannot give you a job. I don't. I think they're not aware of an alien card because I went for so many jobs. I looked for so many jobs with my alien card and I did not get any. I did not get, I did not get any of that. I had to get some connection from someone in the units here who connected me with her friend to go work there but I could just keep looking for a job and I will not find any so immediately they know you're not from Kenya you're not Kenyan you're treated differently like even the neighbors you know sometimes we were living in flats and sometimes they will start talking about you people you should go back to your own country why are you coming trespassing our place you know so it was kind of hard so that's why most of the time whatever I am I just keep quiet about my status and just keep it to myself until it's a situation that forces me to say who I am you know so just for my safety and peace of mind yeah wow if different countries have very different views on you know uh, understanding of refugees and the situation of a refugee and mm that country doesn't support or they don't provide the proper education to their citizens about you know, what's the situation that somebody is in uh, having that very direct experience I mean what's it like being in in Canada because being able to be safe to be able to acknowledge who you are and to not be uh, feared um, I will say when I got here I didn't know so many people because I did not know about Halifax because when we are in uh, 
in the one year program before we come, the WUSC program. Most of the students just talk about Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal, Quebec, BC. So like those were the only provinces I knew about. So when I was told I'm going to Halifax, Nova Scotia, I started looking in it. Uh, I started looking for friends that might be living here or anywhere next to this place. And the closest friend lives in Quebec. So you can imagine how far it is. So before I even got here, my mind, my mind was set. I'm not going to have, like, I'm not going to feel at home because I need people like me, you know? You know, when you have people who went through the same things you went through, you'll be more friends than any other person that you will meet because you relate more, you know what is happening. And the fact that I came to Halifax alone, in this school alone, and Dalhousie too, so it was so sad for me because I needed someone to be there. Like, I really needed a friend somewhere, you know, someone who's a WUSC student too. So when I got here, I was depressed. Depressed, depressed. I even used to feel like, I even had an ear problem, like an ear problem, and a very, like, a very bad headache that was going on for like a week. I going to the hospital, I don't have even my health card. I'm just taking papers that I was giving at the airport. They're like, you need a health card. What is a health card? I don't know what a health card is. How am I supposed to get one? You know, I had to sit down, figure out everything on my own, go to Dartmouth, found my health card. When I went there, um, I showed them my health card. I what I saw the doctor. I had to buy my medicine again. So I was like, what is the essence of the health card? Like, I thought the health card also covers the medicine. So I was like, no way, you know. I, I felt like my life was tearing apart. I even used to dream. I usually dream. I, I was, when, I sl- when I was going to sleep, I was like, I really want to sleep and wake up and find myself in Nairobi. Because... Even if life was hard, I had people that I loved the most next to me. And so, you know, when you have people around you, your life gets better. So it was not that good. My first experience, like my first month here, honestly speaking, it was bad. I didn't like it. I didn't find people that welcomed me and stuff like that. Even when I when I was getting into the airport, my was committee forgot. There was... um changing the time i don't know the time they thought i was coming was an hour later so i'm just coming down all the other students are going to those committees they're being welcomed and they don't even know you're there like because they're welcoming welcoming their people so they don't know if you're a guest if i was a WUSC student they don't know because there's nothing within WUSC. so I was just there. Everyone is being welcomed. I started crying. I don't know what to do. I'm just depressed. It was horrible. Yeah. Honestly speaking, it was horrible. I'm so sorry for using that word. No, it's it's what you felt. I mean, it's it's real. So. Yeah. Like the first month was bad. Yeah. And I feel like also cuz um when I was talking with some of the management, the work management committee, they told me of other students that are here and when I see them, they don't, like, I feel like um, they're hiding their identities because I know them. Like, I've been told this is also a student. She should help you out. And I feel like the environment, like, especially the school environment, makes people not express themselves truly, like, where they really come from because maybe there's not maybe there is stigma like 
especially when you're international students you know they expect you to be something which you're not and finding those real ones that went through the same thing with this is very hard because you don't know who it is because everyone is hiding their their, their real selves because they don't want to face the stigma you know so you also keep quiet you know mm. so i keep quiet you keep quiet you're hurting inside i'm hurting inside but we would never know because we're all hiding it for the because of the stigma you know so i don't know Wh- what stigma uh do do you mean when you say that like no one will want to, as in i don't know why as in when somebody thinks of when somebody hears the name refugee it's they interpret it and in a different way like they feel like it's someone who doesn't have a life like someone who's struggling with their life someone who came here by chance you know like someone who hustled there's actually somebody who said this word before me he didn't know I'm also one of them so he was like some people really hustled to come here mm. you know I was like okay people hustled to come here why would you use that word like okay it's not a bad word but some people hustled to come here you know so like some people hustled to come here what if what, what about someone like me who who came here by chance what, what will you say about me mm-hmm. you know so school is all about fitting in in the society so i feel like they also want to fit in they don't want to lose friends i don't know stuff like that <laughs> negativity and you know stigma does you know experience anywhere i mean i as a canadian citizen have been pushing to challenge those who have m- very misinformed views of of refugees and, and immigrants because i mean that kind of just comes out of ignorance and not knowing not doing their own homework not being empathetic not realizing like what the situation is you know especially you know right currently being a journalism student isn't the only way to help people understand it is definitely sharing stories and helping people empathize and like what you know people are going through so i mean you've expressed some of the challenges that you've had uh, are there certain things that have been good uh, with the, your experience here? Yeah. So many senses. I met so many people like you. <laughs> yeah. And um, I feel like just being real and staying real to yourself, you find real people coming your way. So, like, I've just been socializing with people when I'm going to class. We talk. I found some very, very good friends that I hung around with. And... I love the fact that when you're here in Canada you can work and study at the same time. I've learned how to manage my time very well. And um yeah, I'm bettering my English too. Yes, and yeah, like there's some good people that have made me love this place. Yeah. And I love the way it's chilled, like Halifax, this there are not so many distractions. So like if you're not studying, you're working. And that's it. Mm. That's how life is supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, what would there be some like uh, from your experiences, like recommendations of uh, what Wusk or specifically Wusk Kings uh, needs to work on for the next time? Being there for their student, if they should be there even one hour earlier. Mm. When they're welcoming their new student, they should be there one hour earlier, because that just changes like. This is someone getting into a new country. Doesn't know anyone. They're going to start their life like and 
everyone is being welcomed and they're just there standing not knowing what to do not knowing where to go like you know welcoming the first impression really matters and i feel like new students especially refugee students when they come here we really need more attention than what they think we need you know you don't just drop someone in school and be like when you need something tell me no of course you know you need something you're supposed to be there i need you to be there i don't know anyone like i'm just here like i'm just sitting i don't know what to do i don't have anything to do you know you should be here like i need someone to talk to stuff like that and i feel like the wusk communities should not like be as in should be together you know like all the students that have been helped to, should have a community like a wusk community for like dowsy smio monsen vincent and should be a loving community i went to orawa in january and i will tell you it was my the best experience ever there's so many schools in ontario but they all know each other they all know each other they're so united i was like oh my god why was i not here you know you i felt at home when i first saw all of them it was like i know all of them yet i don't even know them i just met them they have this strong bond they have this strong com- community you know and they do so many events together like just the other day they had our kanda night it was in the university of toronto um this saturday they, they had a swahili festival and the old busk students were there they also welcomed other kiswahili other swahili speakers other international students there's actually the busk some of the busk students are the head of international students african students and i'm like how do you guys have this nice how do you guys have this nice connection that dalhousie does not have that kings does not have you know so i really envy how they relate i want to be part of all the wusk if it's dalhousie or if it's kings wusk cuz i don't want any other student to ever come here and face whatever i faced and just being up a nice wusk community and expand our relationship with african students like we are not any different like for me i don't see like if you're any different you know we're all we all want education and even if we our fights are different or whatever we went through are different we're actually way stronger than you guys and we can teach you people so many things that you people don't know you know so i feel like if we connect we can do so much like we can really do so much it's never too late cuz whisk is not ending anytime soon this year they were celebrating 50 years you know 50 years of existence and Halifax doesn't have a community of us yet. You see so I still have 50 more years to go. <laughs> you can do this. Thank you so much Jennifer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> It is exam season and Dalhousie Health Wellness Center is hosting this Saturday a self-care skills drop in starting at 12:30 to 2. or learn from former child soldiers through art and storytelling with No Child's War hosted by the Romeo Dallaire Child Soldiers Initiative at the Dal Art Center on April 10th at 6:30. Thank you all for listening. Up next, CKDU Surprise, Democracy Now and Terra Informa. In light of Buffy St. Marie coming to Dal Art Center April 17th, here's Buffy from her latest album Medicine Songs, The War Racket.